Welcome to Unlearn, where we talk to industry leaders about unlearning how we go to market. I'm Kelly Sarabin, and I run tech partner enablement and advocacy at HubSpot. And I'm Asher Matthew, co-founder of Partnership Leaders. The old ways of going to market are getting more expensive and less effective. To thrive in an era of digital transformation, you have to go to market differently. Let's find out how. So we're just going to roll straight in, right? So James, what's top of mind for you? So, uh, so I think what I'm thinking a lot about uh, these days uh, are the, really like the the fact that Gary V has been talking about being a media company and companies acting like media companies for almost a decade now, and uh, and we're still not doing anything about it in in B two B land. People are still not. We're not even close to operating like media companies. Uh, we we know content marketing is changing. We we see the proof in like the folks like Chris Walker who go from zero to building a twenty million dollar business in three years by literally doing that, just becoming a media company. Um, and, and we're not we're not heeding to that. Dave Gearhart's doing it. You're you're seeing these other like Vidyard's doing it with Sales Feed and their media brand. Um, and and it's still there. There's nobody. Uh, there's very few people audience plus is talking about it. We're talking about it, but there's very few people talking about like, how do you actually operationalize becoming a media company? Um, and, uh, because we know that content is, is the way that you win in 2023. Uh, and so that's, that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. What, and let's, uh, like sort of dive into what do you think the biggest hurdles are? Because I agree, this is kind of been in the air as an idea and people are even receptive to the idea. It makes sense. But then to your point about operationalizing, there seems to be a huge gap there. Yeah. And what are some of the big blockers? Because, you know, one thing that comes to mind, right, is businesses have this really hard mentality of, of getting out of, I would say two things, metrics, what can, what can we track? And, um, track in the short term often. And then the other thing is, you know, sort of thinking about the skill set of a media company and what's, and what's the traditional skill set of B2B marketers um, who are working in tech or really any other industry. Yeah. I, so you mentioned, you mentioned a few different things there. One, I I think it is very much, uh, I think companies are very much hampered by short term thinking. And if you're going to go all in on the strategy of being a media company and trying to win through content, um, it's it's not a short-term game. You've got to be committed to it. And, I, and that's risky and scary. And I get that. Um, and so my friend Jurgen, I heard him talk about on, on his show um, the other day, how you, you can't go half in with the, with the media play. Like you either go all in and do it right, or just pick another strategy. Like there, we, we say on our show on B2B growth all the time, there are lots of ways to win. And so, uh, becoming a media company isn't the only way to win, but I, I think it's a very proven model of, of, of winning. And, and when you look at a lot of the category Kings and Queens of today, they, a lot of them won through content. And so, um, uh, so, so that's one thing. I think we've we've got to shed the short term thinking if if the media play is what you want to is the path you want to go down. The second thing is the difference between marketers and creators. Uh, I I have observed. So I, I did another podcast called Young Mary Christian. Uh, it was about a year and a half ago now, and uh, I, I am personally very passionate about uh, the foster care crisis in America and. Uh, and, and so there are 400,000 kids in the foster care system and the, the, the life in the foster care system, as you can imagine, is not great. And so uh, I have been trying to raise awareness um, with, uh, you know, with, with Christians who I think are called to take care of, uh, take care of the poor, take care of the needy, take care of, uh, you know, uh, children and widows. And, and so uh, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. I, I know this space. I'm going to start a podcast to try to raise awareness. And I've been talking to a lot of Christian influencers 
that have amassed, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of followers online. And, uh, and, and we're running that playbook to try to grow the following for, for the show and, and to increase our influence in that space so that we can get more people thinking and considering foster care. And in that process, it's been fascinating to me how much it's helped me in my day job, so to speak with, with Sweetfish, because I've seen these creators, we we fly them to Orlando, we record in a studio and I get to spend a day or two with these creators. They think differently than marketers. They are, they are consumed with the human on the other end of the content. They're consumed with their audience. They're not consumed with converting their audience into a particular uh, thing. And so a lot of them, surprisingly, I, I was actually really surprised that a lot of them don't make a lot of money because that's not what they're consumed with. And so as I started wrestling with like, okay, I live in B2B marketing land where all of these marketers are phenomenal at converting attention into revenue, but they're awful at building audiences because, <laughs> because that's, they're, they're not consumed with what an audience wants to hear. They're consumed with converting into revenue. And, and, and so when I first started talking about this, it kind of came across like, I was crapping on marketers and praising creators, but the reality is we need both. We need creators and we need marketers. The problem is that I found that a lot of marketers consider themselves to be creators, but they're not. <laughs> like, have you actually built an audience of, you know, even 10,000? At first I said 50,000, but, you know, have you built an actual audience because I, like I, I've got a 30,000 person following on LinkedIn. I still don't consider myself a creator. I don't think like, like I'm not obsessed with coming up with the right hook or the right angle or the, the psychology of what goes into really thinking through what is going to engage someone's heart or mind in a certain way that makes them want to share this certain piece of content. Like I'm, I'm just not wired that way. I'm trying to hire those kind of people on our team because I want that to be a skill that we have in our agency that we can deploy for our clients, but it's a very different skill set. And so I, I think creators have this like understanding of human psychology. They also understand nuances of social platforms that most marketers aren't even close to understanding. Like when I, when I talked to these creators, when I was talking to them with, uh, when they were in town for young Mary Christian, it was crazy, like the nuances of the algorithm that they understood, and like, and that's. I gotta, that's, I gotta push back yeah. on that. I'm a marketer. I think marketers uh, know that stuff like the back of their hand because it's the science of marketing, right? And everybody. Why aren't always... they executing on it? Do you think? But I think that. So I think I think your point about the difference between a creator and a marketer um, is 100 percent valid, and that authenticity, personal touch and engagement because because marketers can build a list of 30,000 no problem but the what's the engagement what's the loyalty usually yeah. it's low because of the point you're saying which is they weren't trying to build a personal connection with that list they were only thinking how can i build this list so they'll click through my content yes. click through the demo my salesperson will call them up that's what they're laser focused on is that sort of conversion funnel but the creator persona is thinking about how do I form this engaged personal connection at scale, which is a yep. very difficult skill, right? Because yep. most of us kind of have a sense of how to form a personal connection on like yep. a small one-to-one, -one. <laughs> not all of us, but most of us, but doing it at scale, I mean, it's an it's incredible hard. skill, right? And not yep. everybody has it. And I think um, the question for B2B tech companies is, how do you hire this this skill and also allow it to operate as it is designed to operate and not try to pull it into that funnel? Because I yeah. think that's what, and, and we've seen a lot of acquisitions, right? Like I work at HubSpot, we acquired the hustle. Um, yeah. I think right now, I mean, it was pretty recent acquisition, but you know, the brand has continued to operate, but I think it'll be interesting to watch companies that are saying, hey, we're just going to acquire because we don't have the skill set to build it. But then what will happen? Will, will those creators remain autonomous and have that freedom to, because b businesses want control, right? Like they want to yeah. control the narrative and you have to let a creator 
say things that are personal or maybe yeah. not like on the dotted corporate line. So, so I think that is one of the challenges is how companies can do that. How can, how can they let that creator be free, even though it goes against how they're used to operating? Yeah. I, yeah, Kelly, it's interesting with you being at HubSpot. I've said on B2B growth before, the reason I think it's brilliant that HubSpot did what they did with, uh, with the hustle, what outreach did with sales hacker, um, is I think it, to me, it seems like, uh, it seems like a play to change your internal culture. So if you are acquiring a media company by bringing that talent in house, you're, you're shaping what you want your culture to be moving forward. So we're in the process right now of hiring a creative director and the, I've been very specific with the job profile for the, for this particular role that I want it to be a, I want this person to be a creator. So going back to what you said earlier about like, how do we actually do this? I like, I think there, because there are so many creators out there that are so passionate about the craft and the creation of the content, they don't focus as much on the monetization of it. So I think, I think there's actually more of these creators available to the market, to companies that want to hire this type of person on their, on their team. So long as the culture's good, they give them autonomy and freedom, like, like you mentioned, which requires like an undoing of a lot of kind of traditional corporate thinking. But I, I'm seeing more and more companies that are starting to get it. You can get these folks for, you know, at, at a salary that is not crazy. I mean, you're going to have to pay them well. This is not a $40,000 a year kind of entry level position. I, I don't think. I think they have immense talent and they need to be rewarded and compensated um, like you would think about other roles in marketing. But uh, but I, but I, 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 I think that like, it'll be interesting to me, the culture of HubSpot internally in five years, um, after having the talent that they brought over from HubSpot inside their organization, like I, will other parts of the marketing team start to think more like creators? Um, uh, and, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see it play out. It's, it's, it's tough. So, so in my, let's call it day gig, right? Because I'm a demand base, right? I'm, I've led a little bit of a seat to some of the leading CMOs. And yeah. when we do our CMO forums, right? Like nobody's talking about media companies. And I feel like the construct of, let's call it venture back companies, doesn't actually allow for the freedom of a creator to exist just because of the pressure of performing, right? Mm. Um, and so, so, so you've got these creators, which in my definition is, are people who have actually experienced the pain, whether they pay, pay, experience the pain directly or indirectly, they actually experience the pain. And that's what allows them to be even keel about caring about the topic and producing a lot of content on it because they really want to make a difference, right? And then the influencers, like, like because the, the, the marketer word is coming up less and less, but I think the word influencer comes up like quite a bit because like those are the two, two buckets, right? And the influencers are these master tacticians of uh, kind of converting and making some sort of affiliate commission on the back end, right? Basically, right? And so, uh, but I, I would say of all the conversations I've had over the last, like, let's call it like nine months, um, with CMOs, maybe one has talked about, uh, of, of any scale, by the way, not like early startup, because I think the early yeah. startups are all like like picking up on this uh, on this train. But the, if you were a company of any scale, they're thinking, okay, how do I get my event strategy going now? You know, how do I get my, my others uh, work closely with sales on making sure like the, my joint accounts are, are being, if I, gen, if I create activity that they're being followed up on, right? They're not talking about this stuff. And I think there's a long journey here too around it. It's the right, it's the right thing to do because all the BDC brands do it, right? They come across very authentic, uh, yeah. at least the good ones do. Uh, but the, the, the B2B brands just don't. So I thought I would just drop that data yeah, point you, in because we're talking about HubSpot, Azure but HubSpot that, is a very different company. Are, are they, are they talking about your perspective is really interesting because like, are they talking about community? So they are talking about community and, and, and it's, it's interesting because like they were talking about community before too. It's not that the community just like this whole thing about the like community led growth just became a big thing because of like 
it's kind of like because of COVID primarily, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm close to it because of the work we're doing at Partnership Leaders, right? So, but the 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 the, the companies were ta- they I would say companies were talking about conference more than community, mm. even to, even today, right now, right? The dialogue and like the CMOs is like, what is our conference going to do, and where is it and, going to be, and what is it and, going to be like, and stuff like that. And when they're talking about their conference, are they talking about a conference for? their industry as a whole, like the industry they serve, or is it for their, for their customers? It's primarily for prospects. Interesting. Okay. Like they so bring the customers to there to pitch to the, uh, the, the, the current playbook is like bring the customer. It's an old playbook, but it's just being renewed. Uh, uh, refreshed again. Like, have the customers. Yeah. yeah bring, bring, bring them together. The, the companies that try to do this. So there's another, uh, case of mistaken identity also, right? Like the, you have these venture back companies or like companies of scale that will put on industry conferences. And they're like, inherently the people that come to it, they're like, this is not an industry conference. This is just a customer conference. I'm going to go to it, right? Because like the industry conference is supposed to be thrown by uh, by an entity that has nothing to do with the vendor, right? Whether you're a technology or a data vendor, right? So, um, so, so these are some data points that just I have access to, and I was like, yeah. as you guys are talking, it's a super interesting conversation. But I'm like, I don't, I don't see it anyway. It does not come yeah. up in any of our Slack channels. It doesn't come up in any of our, our, our emails and stuff like that. And so I feel like you need like some anchor CMOS that are a little bit more. Uh, I would even say, not not from B two B SaaS, but they're from B two B other things. Because I've always some, I found that like those people are actually very open to like trying new things out versus the B two B SaaS guys are like, hey, um, my board basically told me this playbook, and we yeah. have fifty companies and forty nine of them use this playbook, so let's just use this playbook. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I think that there's a little bit of a, a trend happening still on the community level, and maybe part of it it has to come from the CEO as well. Because a lot of times CMOs are under that short-term pressure to get those leads and those MQLs up, and and community is never going to be that short-term answer. But when you have a CEO that gets it, then I then I think you get the the same time that sort of the brand group gets right. Like they usually have longer-term metrics as well. But you know, Amplitude I think acquired Mind the Product, which is a was a just an industry group. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's. Slack groups that are, um, it used to be called OD, what is it? It used to be Fishtown Analytics and then they changed. Um, but it's a data analytics uh, company and they have a Slack group in the tens of thousands that are, because they're based on an open source technology and it's just people helping each other around this technology. And, and I think that, um, well, you know, open Labs- source products and yes. DBD Labs would be, I think, is what I think what you're talking about. But like they have like seven thousand yeah. or some a number of people, and when you talk to them, they're like, "Wait, we started like this, and we realized that that part of our business is actually a different company." Mm. The, the so, community. Yeah, yeah, the community. But they're but that community is like a great source. It's, it's, yeah, they were like, it and, helped um, us a lot. But like when as we look at our construct of our company we're like we have a software company and we have a community company we actually manage it like that Hmm. oh yes which goes back to our original point i think of having recognizing what things are and ensuring they're operationalized in the way that they need to be to be successful because because you can't oppose one and i i would i would be curious um james what your take is on a couple things around this which is what's the relationship between community and media because I yeah. think that these are two separate but very related concepts. And a more minor note, Asher dropped the word influencer, which I think is interesting. I, I'd be, be curious for your take on the difference yeah. between a creator and an influencer. Yeah. Um, is it just terminology for me? I'll be honest, influencer has a more negative connotation, yeah. but, I'm, but I'm not really a social yeah. media person. Um, so yeah, curious on those two distinctions yeah. and what you're You don't like is. the word yeah. influencer? Man. I, I, I don't. But, but, I, but that's not a, an objective opinion. That's my personal bias <laughs> I, against not, social media. I'm not media. even sure that influencers <laughs> like the word influencer um, because I think that it's because it's taken on a more negative connotation. 
um, in, in a lot of circles. So you're definitely not the only one that, that, okay. feels that way. I think the I think the distinction between, uh, community and media is, is interesting because I think a lot of people conflate an audience and a community 100%. and I, the way I like, I don't know, coming, coming from a church background, I mentioned young Mary Christian earlier coming yep. from a church background like community in the church is like, is like small groups. And when you go to church on Sunday, like you're meeting with the community in a sense, like there's other, a bunch of other people in the, in the room that are going to their own small groups, but like the community happens in, in kind of your Bible study on Wednesday or Thursday, not in the big room where you're worshiping together and, and listening to the pastor give their like, you know, their, their sermon or whatever. And, and, and so I, I, I think about that when, and translate it over here and I'm like, community happens in the micro. It's, it's, uh, it, it's the, it's the groups that like, I, I'm a part of a couple mastermind groups and we meet up a couple times a year. And when I get to spend, you know, two or three days with those groups of people, whether it's a group of a mastermind group of other agency owners, or it's a mastermind group of Christian entrepreneurs, uh, like that's community. We're talking about real stuff. Um, and, and an audience is built. I think when, when somebody has really sharp, uh, points of view that challenge people's thinking and that help people think in, in new and fresh ways. And you're, you're the audience is consuming that kind of thought leader or, uh, Asher's word influencers content. Uh, and, and so I, I think both are good. Again, I, I, I don't think it's a matter of like villainizing one to prop up another, but they are very different things. And so you just have to get clear with what are we trying to do? And so one of the things we, we tried and failed, quite frankly, at uh, our attempt at, at community was trying to, trying to do like these monthly, uh, we call them marketing squads. And so every month we would get CMOs or VPs of marketing. We'd get probably eight to 10 of them a month um, to, to show up on a Zoom call. It wasn't recorded. Intentionally, it wasn't recorded so that they would feel more comfortable sharing and we would kind of prompt discussion. But the, and, and the reason we, we couldn't, I mean, we had a few different people internally try to manage them and, and people are, schedules are busy. We clearly could not figure out a way to make the group uh, valuable enough to get, to get eight to 10 people to show up consistently every month. And so it would always, you know, it, it was always the call that got canceled whenever they had an, an emergency or something popped up that they needed to work on. And so we couldn't, we couldn't quite figure it out. So I don't want to sit here from a space of saying like, oh, look, I've, I've figured out how to do community. There are lots of people that have figured it out. We are not one of those people, but the, it, it's more reflective of the, at least the way that I think about it, which is, small groups meeting together in intimate spaces, being able to talk about things that they wouldn't otherwise get to talk about with other people um, because they resonate with, like they understand each other's worlds um, where building an audience is, is really about refining your points of view, uh, getting really good at communicating those points of view. My friend Jay Akunzo talks, uh, I, I heard him say this the other day, you know, ESPN and these massive media companies invest millions of dollars into the talent, the, the on-air talent. And I don't know why I just did quotes there. It, it, <laughs> it, it, it's exceptional talent that it takes to like be on camera and to be the voice and to, to be able to communicate a message. But in B2B land, we're just like, oh yeah, our, our subject matter expert can, can be the face of it. And it's yeah. like, well, and then, there's no performance around it, you know? Yeah, it's, maybe, it's maybe they can, but yeah. to your point, actually, like it requires performance. It's sure. performative. Yeah. It's, it's a, there's a lot of nuance to like, can you actually do this thing in a way that engages people and, and gets them to understand, you know, the brand's points of view, uh, and, and is winsome enough so that people actually want to follow it. And, you know, all the things, but anyway, I, I went off on a little oh, bit of this. This is the reason why I wanted James on, uh, uh, because we actually connect at the, uh, what I would call the, the spirituality angle, right? Uh, level also, right? Um, because, so James, you may not know this, but like I helped co-found uh, Partnership Leaders. It's, there's basically 1,300 uh, partnerships 
people that were in partnerships, like it's the, it's the number, it's the home for partnerships, right? It was basically the number one community for yeah. partnerships people today, right? Um, and uh, and the the sole reason I did it was because when I was had a bad experience in being a VP of BizDev, right? Um, I was lost, and I'm like, where do I go to connect with other people like me? Mm. And there's nobody. There's no place for it. And I called up some of my friends and they were going through similar experiences. I'm like, well, where do you go to connect? Right. And, uh, and, and at that point in time, uh, uh, I met Chris uh, Sibylla basically. Right. And we were talked about this and then we kind of started this email chain with a few people. And then that email chain was had seven people on it. And now it's like 1300 people. The, this group has its own conferences. <laughs> like, like it became a thing, right? Yeah. But like, even some of the previous stuff that we were chatting about on LinkedIn, right? I give the example internally as we operate and we're like the best example of a community at scale is Saddleback Church. Mm. Because I actually went and studied how Saddleback Church works, right? Saddleback Church had 200 employees, but they had 20,000 connect groups. Mm. like the way the the level that they operate on interesting that like Saddleback Church Pastor Rick Warren was actually from San Jose and then they just yeah. got uh, Andy uh, who's also from San, San Jose right but uh, yep. there might be something in San Jose is what I'm saying but anyway <laughs> that's, besides, that's besides the point but the, the, the way they operate right they don't care about the conversation which I think is what media companies really care about because the audience cares about the conversation and they want yeah. to have the conversation and they want to consume content. But at the end of the day, it's really about the conversation and making sure the conversation is widespread, right? Yeah. And then the, the, the communities are all about connections. And then you can have scale connections where you have like 500 people at a conference. You can have these like, uh, we're doing this like, like, uh, let's call it PL experience as we're calling it, but it's really basically people connecting with other people and their families. Mm. Right. Smart. And so it's a different level of connection. Right. And then yeah. you have these like small groups that you're talking about, but what Saddleback Church does really well. Right. They went from like, like from the early days, I think they were like, okay, we, everybody kind of gets together and like, like talks about their, uh, there are issues that they're going through and like, you know, young couples, uh, they, they did segmentation really well, right? So they're like young couples with young couples, people with kids with kids, yep. people that are like, like empty nesters with empty nesters. They got the yeah. segmentation, right? I mean, I feel like like they were so such good marketers, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then they actually went and said, no, no, no. The better way to do this, if we just connect what you're learning on Sunday with what you're learning, what, what you can have, um, have a discussion around in uh, during the week. And by the way, we're going to broadcast it too. The minute they broadcasted it, they actually became, at least in my opinion, they became some form of a media company because now the audience is huge, yeah. right? And But the community aspect of it actually brings the connect uh, uh, connections Connection. uh, home. And, uh, and interesting that this Sunday, like literally I was sitting and I, I was like, this is such a... Uh, divine sign for us to all connect right in, in a way because yeah. like i'm sitting there and the pastor goes well you know community is how we bring how we connect church to you right mm -hmm. um and i'm like that's kind of what it is i mean minus the church part right like yeah. like like because i think like there's other lives and things that like that that are happening too like not everybody goes to church and stuff too but uh yeah the but yes i would say my way of looking at this is like community is all about connection at scale at um, one to one, one to ten, one to hundred, one to thousand, many to many, like it's all about that. But the the media companies have to nail the conversation. They have to know what's on on top of mind and what will be on top of mind. Yeah. And and that level, they become a little bit of an analyst as well. So I think that the 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 if you look at like like I'm a big fan of org design, right? So if you look at like the perfect org design for for a community, it's like you have domain experts, you have like educators, you have like facilitators and stuff. And then you're like, if you look at a media company, you're like, okay, you have like the creative people, like you're saying, right? You have the performers, call them creators, yeah. influencers, whatever it is. And yeah. then you have the analysts and, and the researchers basically, because yeah. they have to like know how to, to pick the trends and connect the dots in the future. Yeah. Versus the community can connect the dots in the past, right? They don't care. Yeah. Like if it happened, we have to go talk about it as a group and figure out how we can handle it. Yep. 
And I, and I think that distinction of actually having someone, it, it's interesting, like the analyst or the researcher, actually having someone on the team that is tracking down what those conversations can be, where most, I think, marketing teams just default to like, oh, well, the topics are going to be the things that most behoove us because it, it, we, we've got metrics to hit and we've got, yep. you know, yep. we've, we've got to hit our number. And so they, th there's, there's so much bias in the in the topics that get selected that it ends up not actually resonating with the people that you want to resonate with because all you're doing is talking about what's beneficial to you instead of really what's what's beneficial to them yep yeah i think uh i think it's worth going into this community at scale notion a little bit more because i think that's an interesting example asher of because I don't, I agree with, I think what James was saying is I don't think you can have a community that's 10,000 to one, that, that doesn't, that doesn't work. And I've seen a lot of these Slack groups actually in different industries that become like 60,000 people in the Slack. And they essentially at that point become a media company because it no longer is facilitating connections. What they're doing is hosting events. Now they have a blog, they're posting their articles. And even if you can pop into a channel and get answers from random people to a question, it doesn't doesn't feel like a community anymore because yeah. you lost that personal well, it's, touch. It's a, it's a bat phone at that point. It's like a phone <laughs> of friend, right? It's like, well, where's my friends at? Like, I don't trust anything on LinkedIn or Twitter, but I'll go over here where I know a whole bunch of people and by chance somebody. Is. So, okay. So now we're getting, getting to a point where like, I really care about this topic, right? It's that, and there's like free communities and then there are paid communities. The issue with free communities is they just don't have the resources to actually take that community experience to at to scale. Unless they're unless they're started by a company, right? So, like, if a B two B SaaS company starts a free community, then they can certainly scale it out to the numbers. Now, do they have the skill set to make it the connection component? Is, yeah. a, is a different question, but so I'll I'll give you an example, right? Like like so at Demandbase we have Rev Circle. And we have a number of, of like C-level people there. And then we are also in Pavilion. And when we do our, let's call it annual planning, we are not, we should be, but we, like I haven't heard anything around like, hey, we're going to like put seven people into our community and I want to make sure it scales. And like, I want to make sure there's like this onboarding experience and I want to make sure this, this is there. Versus you go to Pavilion and they're like, Yes, we have this onboarding experience and we have this experience and we have this experience. And they're thinking about like, how do I take this at scale and how do I operationalize it? The same thing we're doing at Partnership Leaders too, right? We like hired like two people only to focus on managing all the programs that everybody's asking us because if it's up to us, there's no way that any of us could actually manage the programs because you need a project manager or a program yeah. manager, right? So like, like when, when you're in this free, and I say this because we were a free community. And then we're like, wow, we're like 900 people. So like, what do we do now? Mm. And then at that point in time, we're like, we have to go paid because we're not going to be able to do anything material for this audience. And then the minute we get went paid, the first thing we did is we hired a marketer because we said the need of the hour is to help people tell their story and showcase their brands. And a lot of the partnerships people never had brands. And now so many of them do, right? Uh, and so, so, so my theory is, the free communities will just never be able to offer that scale experience. And you're right, they will become media companies. But the paid communities have enough money to hire specialized resources to create this at scale. And you can take the playbook. Like, I mean, Saddleback Church is just one example. There's a lot of other examples out there uh, that have done it, uh, uh, that have community, quote unquote communities at scale. Kelly, I, I, I get what you're saying though. Like if you're a venture backed company, you should, I mean, you, you can, can provide the resources. resources. Yeah. To hire. I three actually people think the, the flips, the benefit of a paid community for c connection is that people show up right to your point, yeah. James, about what you were saying about meetings being bumped. And yeah. I see this all over the place is when people pay for something, gym memberships aside they yeah. usually want to like get the value out of it yeah. right so there's they have skin in the game so i yeah. i think that that 
helps foster a real community versus if anyone can come in, you get a ton of people who just fly by and often spam, right? They're just yeah. like, hey, I'm going to come to this group and share like my my thing that will get a demo for my company yeah. um, versus a paid group, people engage. So I actually think that's where the paid groups have the advantage is on the member side. Yeah. Um, now, yes, if you're trying to bootstrap a group and it's free, then yeah, you're not going to be able to do it. But but I, 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 are there examples of like communities at scale in B2B tech that have really been successful? Because Asher, Partnership Leaders isn't at scale yet, right? Like you guys have 1,300 yeah. people and that's, and I would say Pavilions, you know, they're are farther along, but they're still not at like the scale that you're talking about with the church. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like a, like, but if you think about it, so if you, if you, again, if you go study Saddleback Church, right, they basically have funds right, that then they go and support other communities around the world. And their way of doing it is through other churches, because then they support programs for other churches. And that's how they, their partnerships work, right. Uh, And then, and then, and then, but, but then they also have, let's call it the Saddleback Network, right, which is really considered, it's a similar thing to like the HubSpot Podcast Network, right, which is like huge. And like, it's about everybody sharing their content. Uh, but again, there, there is some level of resources that are allocated specifically to supporting this initiative at scale. And then to go bring it back to your point today, venture back companies or larger B2B companies, they just don't think like that. They just don't say, I need a CSM for my, and maybe by virtue of this conversation and a whole bunch of other work that we're all going to do, right. That they start thinking like that because it actually brings their prospects much more closer to them. Mm-hmm. And the loyalty, the loyalty of not yeah. prospects and customers and word of mouth referrals, like the impact is there, but I think it circles again back to that short term thinking. It takes time yeah. to build that yep. connection and those referrals, yep. but also the lack of tracking, right? Like we are not in a place where if you develop that loyalty and then you have people just word of mouth spreading through networks, which is how people businesses buy, right? Like that is how yeah. businesses buy, whether we can track it or not. Um, but it makes the typical CMO and CEO wary when they can't see it, right? When there's that like murkiness. Yeah. How how does HubSpot like with the inbound community, Kelly? What have what's what's uh, yeah? W- what could you share about like how HubSpot thinks about community? Because I would imagine that if anybody could do it at scale, it would be a company like HubSpot. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because we just at Inbound, our big conference, which is part of our community strategy, we announced like we're going to go all in on community led growth. Like that was the keynote spe- speech. And I think um, we do a lot of different things which are interesting. But as we're talking, I'm kind of thinking through how the pieces fit together because we actually have something called Pugs and Hugs, which is partnership user group meetups and um, HubSpot user group meetups. Yep. And these are all over the place. And, and they're partner and member, member customer led. Yep. Um, but it's interesting, right? So in that sense, it's scaled. Like these are successful, these go on, but we don't have a lot of control, right? Because once you make that partner led and you make it member led, um, you don't have complete visibility. Like there isn't a lot of tracking around it, but it is a great active community. And I consider it to like be fostering our community. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I know on our developer side, we actually have a Slack group with, you know, over 10,000 people and very, it's very active um, Slack. It's just a community for HubSpot developers. And and then we have community forums on, on our webpage, right? So like, that's another place that people go. And I would say the forums are actually maybe a little bit less, but, but the interesting thing is we have a, a ton of solution partners on there regularly engaging, answering questions. Um, and then you do have more flyby um, users who have like a particular pain point and come through, but there's partners on there that just are always that kind of manning, manning the station yeah. and engaging um, so it's, it's, I would... it's interesting. It's interesting because like I was thinking about the hug groups too. Um, uh, I didn't even know about the pug groups, but <laughs> the, the it, it makes sense. But I, it, it's interesting because I think so many companies aspire to have a product 
that is so integral to your business operation that you that it becomes part of your professional identity that you want to be a part of a community of other HubSpot users or other HubSpot partners. And so like other marketing agencies that I know that are like HubSpot partners, I mean, they eat, sleep, drink HubSpot because that's what they're, you know, that's what they're selling to their clients. And then the, the folks that are administrating HubSpot and that are like the HubSpot expert inside their company, it's because you guys have built a product that's so uh, that, uh, that adds so much value and is so, uh, critical to the company's operation that they have somebody on their team that is dedicated to like, Hey, stay up to date with this here, go, go be a part of this hug. Um, and so part of me wonders like, man, it seems like a lot of these companies that are building community, it's like, they don't, they don't have that. Like they're, they're maybe, the nature of their product maybe doesn't lend itself to the fact that, you know, it's not a CRM or it's not something that is as business critical as, as you all. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a hundred percent right. And I think those companies have to go to the broader business concept. So we also have really like went all in on inbound marketing as a concept, right. And yeah. we kind of popularized that. I think for companies that have a more niche product where you're never going to be able to have those like regular meetings yeah. around the product itself, you're going to have to look at the larger um, sort of business impact that you're driving and create the community around that, Yeah, which I do think, you know, when you're looking at as for an ultimately long-term driving revenue, the motion might look a little different as to how that quote pays off for you. But I think you can still create it in a way that makes sense and ultimately returns back to your business, right? Yeah. That was a really good point, by the way. I mean, I think the the nature of what you're trying to do is, or what you're offering probably dictates like how we value. But again, it goes back to the same thing, right? You could be a feature today and then you have like five features tomorrow and then you're like, wow, we are mission critical. Like, you know, Snowflake, yeah. like Snowflake, if you look at the history of Snowflake or even Atlassian, right? So Atlassian may be the other example of somebody who did community really well because like they then sort of started promoting their user groups and their partner groups and stuff like that on their website and there was tons of events and stuff like that. But I think the 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 one other way to think about this, right, is um and it's it was a good call out that we are not at scale, Kelly. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> are you uh, taking that personally? <laughs> I totally am, definitely. You know, like I'm like, wow, just got called out by my co-host. Like that's great, you know. <laughs> Interview for new co-hosts tomorrow. <laughs> you know, but like, but like, 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 how do you actually create connection at scale, right? And if you think about that, right? Because LinkedIn tried it, Facebook tried it, TikTok, Instagram, everybody's working on it, right? And 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 I guess even before we ask the question of like, what's, uh, how do you create connection at scale? The question used to be like, what change are you trying to drive, right? So we'll go back to Saddleback Church, right? So Saddleback Church has this book called Purpose Driven Life. Yep. It was extremely beneficial. I would say even more beneficial than all the stuff that Tony Robbins did. Because Tony Robbins basically says that if you go to any of the Tony Robbins events, they're fantastic, by the way. You go there, it's an experience. You're like hyped, et cetera, et cetera, right? And then you learn this curriculum and then you kind, of, kind of have to do this. There's a self journey that takes place and there's some sort of like connections and stuff, but it doesn't really work the way. So Tony Robbins, I think, would be like the example of somebody who actually manages an audience really well, right? Uh, but then Zalabak Church would be somebody who manages the community really well because they're all about like, and the, the book is not like, it has some spirituality concepts in it, but that's actually a really good life book, right? And uh, um, and it actually made a difference in people's lives. So if that's what your goal is, then you should go down the community path. I think a lot of B2B companies, they go down this audience path because they're like, well, I don't really have an audience. I'll go create one. I'll start. And then my end goal really is this conversion. If the yeah. company's end goal was like, we yeah, which is what keeps them from being able to build an audience in the first place. Totally, <laughs> totally, totally. You know, if your if your if your end goal is like we are going to change the way, truly, like really, like the CEO, the founder is like, I've been dealing with this problem for twenty years, and I just wanted to solve this now. Though the, I feel like those are the people for one that really make it big. I was in I was in a company called Avalara, where we felt the founders actually felt the problem, and they were like, we are going to automate every single sales tax compliance transaction in the world. It was there since the day one I joined. 
And then when I left, when there were like 3,000 people, I mean, they just got bought by, by Vista Equity. They're still on the same path. Mm. And they have this community of developers. They have this community of, uh, uh, they have this like mini conference and stuff like that. They they actually created, maybe they were, they were that may be an example of James, like a media company, right? Because like they staffed like seven people on their content team and they're, they're 11 people on their trade shows. And then they were like, well, go to all these conferences and start creating connections. Uh, and then we'll put some content out there and stuff and start to activate it ourselves because nobody really cared about sales tax compliance, uh, except for all the 175,000 like uh, CPAs out there or bookkeepers. Um, and, and then they created this like change and they're still on it. And if you go to the website, it's still the same thing. Automating sales tax compliance had never, never changed. And they've made a difference. Yeah. And their yeah. community is really connected also. So that could be another example. So we got yeah. HubSpot, we got Atlassian, we got Avalar maybe in this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think on the media side, one of the one of the B2B SaaS companies that I have really been admiring. Um, I'm actually going to be co-hosting a series with their CMO on on uh, media brands on uh, on B2B growth. Uh, but his name is Tyler Lassard, and he's over at Vidyard, yep. Yep. like a video email company. Yep. And they just passed a hundred thousand followers for their media brand, which is Sales Feed. And to hear him, you know, as I've talked to him now a couple times about it, like yep. they staff that team completely separately. Like the the yep. sales feed team um, has dedicated resources. They've got like a, an executive, you know, Tyler kind of acts as the executive producer, and he's yep. Vidyard's CMO. But then they they went out and hired a creator, somebody that had already built a following in the sales space. So they they'd already he had already had proven like demonstrable ability to build an audience because he built one for himself. Yep. They brought him on staff. I think they they said they've got somebody that focuses on, uh, I think, YouTube and newsletter. They've got another person that focuses on um, a, a couple other elements um, of the media brand itself. But it, it he was, I, I was asking, I was like, does the marketing team get jealous because the the sales feed team gets to do like all the fun videos that go viral? And and he's like, not really. I mean, there if, if anything, I think, the sales feed team is actually inspiring the video totally. team yes. to Not like the right think way. about totally content differently. Yeah. I mean, curious they're, what their KPIs are. Yeah. So the, he, he said they're, <laughs> they're, they're in the process right now. Like they, so they've been at it for about a year. So they've built this audience of a hundred thousand people. And I think he said for the last, I think the first six months, they were just focused on audience building audience, building audience. So for the last six months, they've been working on the conversion path of how to, okay, how do we take the audience and, um, and still continue to create the content that allowed us to build the audience. But then like, how do we mention Vidyard strategically without it being like cringy and like, ugh. Um, uh, and so they're, they're, I, like, we're, we're going to get into that in the series on B2B growth, but, uh, but I, so, so they're, they're the, they're ones that I'm really looking at is like, they're, they're, you know, Anthony Kennedy at audience plus is in the early stages of, yep. of doing this. I think they've come to market with like three or four different shows. And so they're starting multiple media brands. Profit well did this really well. And obviously just got yep. acquired for $200 million from paddle. I think last year, the year before that. Um, and so there's, there's certainly folks out there that are, that have, <laughs> that have figured this out, but the the examples are few and far between in my opinion i'd be curious like as you go through this and we'll have you on the show a little bit later in the year right um i'd be curious to see if there are some innovators out there that are like hey we're going to build the audience but we're going to add the community because the community is actually the way to i'm, I'm going to probably get called out for this word also but monetize the audience a little bit right because it's like the natural because you need to like do things naturally right and yeah. so if the art, the conversation happen, and then you bring all the conversations into an area where connections happen, then the conversation continues in a place where other people can participate at their own time. Mm -hmm. Naturally, there's going to be macro forces that help a company succeed or not, right? I mean, they like... One, you can have an awesome product, but like there's always a macro trend that like helps the product like really go to like to, to like that hockey stick growth, right? And so naturally, if that happens, then you experience hockey stick growth. If it doesn't happen, you experience growth, which is still really good, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So maybe 
at some point in time, and maybe some people are already doing this, right? Like I was just thinking about as you're thinking like, okay, well, how do we connect the the audience and then then figure out how to like put some KPIs on it? Maybe you're like, we the KPIs are community KPIs, and then you have the art the the audience and the community, and then this this whole other quote unquote proverbially funnel, you know, that 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 allows people to get closer to you. Yeah. And then they buy. Well, and the media and co- community synergy, I think that you're alluding to there is, is, is key. I think if you do it right, you can have those two things kind of reinforce each other and work yeah. well, but, but I think they are distinct. And as we've discussed, like you have different yeah. KPIs, different operational uh, goals. And, and, and if um, this stuff were easy, right? Like these big media companies would all have massive communities, but mm-hmm. it's not easy. It's like, it's hard enough to just do what Pavilion did, which is community. It's hard enough to just build a media company, which is why you have all these media companies that that's all they do is they're a media company. It's why SaaS companies are SaaS companies. Like, so it's not this easy nut to crack to say, oh, every company should be a media company. Well, that's an entirely different business. The content has to be so good that, that it, that it builds a massive audience so much to just, and and the content is paid for because other people will pay to get in front of that audience because the content was so good that it amassed such a big one. And like, so it's, it, 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 this is not easy stuff. Um, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's aspirational though, for, for companies to be at least asking themselves the question of how could we resource either developing, really focusing on community or media, but like trying to do both at the same time, I think it would be a would yep, be a yeah. huge mistake because it's hard enough to just add one of these other components and really do it right in such a way that it can that it can have business impact. All right, I want to be be respectful to everybody's time here. I, I feel like we could all be talking about this forever, uh, but maybe we'll do another uh, episode where we bring James back on. James, if you're okay with this, uh, yes. later, later, in, later in the year, maybe like in September, October timeframe and say, okay, well, what do we, we had this episode in the beginning of the year. We had this idea of like audience and communities and like maybe the two of them coming together and working. Uh, you have separate resources, separate teams, you know, people to understand what their purpose is, what their identity is, right? Um, uh, and then see what actually happened, right? Uh, yeah. were, were there more companies that we can give an example of other than HubSpot, Avalora, and Classy yeah. and that actually went down this path? But thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Thanks for all the work me. that you're doing. This was fantastic. And uh, we'll see you soon. This was a blast. I'll, I'll have to say before I, before I jump off here, there's a lot of folks that are saying, hey, this isn't going to be a podcast interview. It's just going to be a dialogue. Um, and that is actually really hard to pull off. And so I can, I can tell you having, you know, obviously being a podcast agency, seeing a lot of shows, you guys do a fantastic job of actually making it a conversation instead of just feeling like, you know, the host is setting the guest up to share their point of view and then they agree with it and move on. So, so hats off to you two for, for a format that I think is rare, but that a lot of people are aspiring to do. Um, You guys do it really, really well. Thank so, you. Asher, you can't go find another co-host. I know, totally. <laughs> that compliment. I was just like, crap, I'm stuck Thanks, with Kelly. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a fantastic weekend. Bye. Awesome. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Unlearn. Subscribe wherever you listen and visit unlearnpodcast.com for the transcripts.